Ephesians chapter number 4 this morning. Ephesians chapter number 4. Obviously, a lot of fanfare and uh, all this stuff is not my forte. But I will say this. Everything that I've said is genuine, sincere, and from the heart. Ephesians chapter number 4. When you get to Ephesians 4, please stand. We're going to read our text and hopefully teach you some important truths here this morning out of very, this is a tremendous, tremendous passages of scripture. I, I hope that if you're not familiar with this passage, you'll get familiar with it. Ephesians chapter number four and verse number 17, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. That would be uh, sexual filth and dirtiness and stuff. And uh, lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye, Paul says, have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness." Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to them him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. My text is from verse number 30, even though all of these surrounding truths are so important. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor And evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Verse 30, once again, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. I want to talk to you this morning about this day of redemption. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the presence of the Spirit of God here today, for the singing, Uh, Lord, for just the privilege to be able to appreciate some people that have labored and have a labor of love and loyalty and friendship and faithfulness. Thank you that we have the privilege to be able to honor them and express our gratitude. Just bless each and every one. And Lord, there are so many here and part of this ministry that deserve gratitude. And Lord, we thank you that when we stand before you, God, you are keeping 
an account of our lives and our ministry. And God, that uh, you are not unrighteous to forget our labor of love, which we have showed to the saints. And God, thank you that uh, we know that there is a blessing and a reward for all that diligently seek you. We pray, Father, that the things that we look at here today would be a help, whether it be instruction, information, understanding, Lord, or perhaps even conviction. Have your will and way in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Folks, so much, so much could be said and needs to be said about all of those verses that we just read. A lot of practical and moral truths. And literally, uh, every verse that we just read could create three sermons easily in and of itself. And truly, what we just read is a text that applies to save people, people who have been regenerated. Our text, verse 30 especially, Now, as we think about verse number 30 that says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. No doubt a lost person could rationally get the gist of this truth, but you know what? You're not going to experience the grief that Paul's talking about. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Now, just by way of brief explanation, this verse right here is a pivotal verse that demonstrates that a child of God, a born-again believer, has eternal security in our salvation. The Holy Spirit of God comes in. You see, we are born in the likeness of God. God said, let us make man in our image. God is a trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God made man in His image. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that God took and formed the man out of the dust of the ground and made that body. And then it says that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That's the spirit of God, the spirit of life that came into that inanimate body. And then it says because of that, man became a living soul. God is a trinity, man is a trichotomy. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. Whenever you talk to yourself, I, I, I don't mean just the casual, while, you know, while you're going about your business, but do you ever talk to yourself like I do? I call myself an idiot every now and then. You know, I do something dumb, and I go, Mitchell, you're an idiot. You know what that is? That is, that is proof that I've got a mind, I've got a soul and a spirit, and they're communicating back and forth when, when we do that, we are, we are a trichotomy. When we get born again, the Holy Spirit of God comes inside. Brother Ben Smoker preached a message three, three weeks ago or so, and he did a great job explaining this, how that the Holy Spirit comes in and our soul is regenerated. God looks down upon us in grace, and thank God He doesn't see me the way that I really am. He looks at my soul, and He sees me as righteous. He sees me as pure. He sees me as holy because of my performance, because I'm a preacher, because I do this or I do that. Absolutely not. Not because of anything that I have done, but because of what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross of Calvary. I've been redeemed. 
I have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. I can come directly to the throne of God, not as somebody filthy, not as an outcast, not as these Gentiles that are alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, not in enmity with God the way that I was born. You know, most people think that we come into this world and then we're going to mess it up. No, we come into this world messed up. And we need something that will redeem us and fix us and make us. We come into this world with a wicked nature and a wicked heart. You don't have to teach someone how to sin. Man figures it out all on, you figure it out on your own just like I did. We need something to fix that problem and that's what Jesus died on the cross for. But when we accept him as Savior, you know, the Bible says when you get saved, your name's written in heaven. But I got news for you. You can rejoice that your name is written in heaven, but our salvation is a whole lot more than a roll call. It is a regeneration. It is the Holy Spirit of God coming inside of our body, living inside of us. As we read, there's an old man and there's a new man and we're supposed to put off the old man and we're supposed to walk according to the new man. We're not schizophrenic. It's not like we have dual personalities, but we do have dual natures inside of us. We have an old nature that wants to sin and we have a new nature. Listen, if you've been truly born again, you understand the conflict that takes place on the inside. One side of you wants to do right, and the more you try to do right, you figure out that it's almost impossible. Then the other side wants to do wrong, and as soon as you yield to that old man and start doing wrong, guess who starts bothering you? The Holy Spirit of God. I got news for you. As a believer in this present life, something's always going to be bothering you. Now, wouldn't you agree with me that we're a whole lot better off to have the devil and the old man bothering us and be pleasing God? God's eternal. God's the one that we're going to stand before. You don't want to sacrifice the eternal blessings and joy for the temporary satisfaction and pleasure that sin has to offer. Now, notice here it says that we are sealed unto the day of redemption. It says, unto, not until. I've heard people quote it. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. I've heard it quoted that way, and I don't get nitpicky when people make mistakes like that. But truly, it is a mistake, because the word is unto the day of redemption. This seal of the Holy Spirit is eternal. We can spiritualize it as meaning preservation. My, My wife... I don't know if I would say she likes to can, but she does can. We had a decent garden this year. We had a lot of green beans, and we had a lot of tomatoes, and a lot of jalapenos, and we had a, did we have anything else? Uh, We bought corn. We bought some corn, but she put up a lot of stuff. And she will take, and she'll either can it, or she'll seal it in vacuum-packed stuff and freeze it, but she seals that in order to preserve it. We can make a spiritual application of this verse and we can refer to it as a sealing and a preservation, but truly that's not what this verse is saying. This seal of the Holy Spirit is speaking of an 
unchangeable authenticity. If you've read in the book of Esther, you know that the king would make certain decrees and laws. And many, many kings and, and monarchs would have a ring or they would have a stamp and they would take the document that has the legal law that they had written, the declaration, and it would be written on a scroll and they would roll it up and they'd uh, take a candle and they'd melt some wax on there and they'd take their ring or their stamp and they would seal that. And that seal would have their signia on it. It would represent that, hey, this came from the king. And that made it authoritative. That made it permanent. That made it authentic. The Holy Spirit of God inside of us is the seal of God. God says your salvation is authentic. It is from me. It's official because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. You know, that's the big difference between the professing Christian and the possessing Christian. One professes to be saved, the other possesses the Holy Spirit of God and has experienced that act of regeneration. Ahasuerus made a decree and it said in Esther that it can't be undone. And that's why the Holy Spirit in the Bible here gives us this concept that we have been sealed unto the day of redemption. Now let's talk about redemption a little bit. In Leviticus 25, verse 24, it says, in all, in all the land of your possession, ye shall grant a redemption for the land. I don't have time to explain all of this, but the children of Israel would inherit certain, every tribe of Israel would get a certain portion of what we call Palestine today. And within the family of their tribe, they would have divided inheritances, And that was supposed to stay within their family from generation to generation. And sometimes they would go through a rough time and they would need money and they would sell their land. They would sell their possession. But unlike us, they were not allowed, they could never sell that possession permanently. It was only for a a certain period of time. Up until the, the year of Jubilee the year of release, where all of the land was supposed to go back to who it originally belonged to. So if you sold your property, you were really, it was almost just like a temporary mortgage. You were loaning, you were getting some money temporarily, and then eventually you had to pay that back. And at some point, you were supposed to pay that back either with labor or with money, or whatever was agreed upon with the person. And so that person would own that piece of property. And the meaning of redemption is the repurchase of captured goods or prisoners. We, we know the term ransom. Uh, I believe Hamas has taken some prisoners. And even Iran, not too long ago, had some prisoners. And our country, I, I believe, foolishly did some prisoner exchange with Iran and even with Russia and paid lots of money or exchanged prisoners and basically yielded to these other countries holding us hostage. There was a time when America wouldn't yield to that. 
you know, you got one of our citizens and you're saying that you're not going to release them until we do this for you. You know what? A, a good president, a good leader would say, you know what? I highly recommend you release it or you're going to regret it. We got the power to make you hurt if you don't give us back our citizens. It's going to cost you a thousandfold. We hold the power. Maybe one day we'll have a leader that has that kind of strength and wisdom to not cater. To, you know, you, don't, you can't cater to terrorists. You cannot appease them. They'll take your money and then they'll just figure out another way to get you. But I don't know. I didn't mean to get off on that. Redemption is a buyback. It's a ransom. It's a release. It's a deliverance from bondage, distress, or liability. And so let's talk about the redemption of your soul. Uh, Take your Bibles and go to Psalm 49 with me. Psalm 49. Number 6 says, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious and it ceaseth forever that he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. Do you know we are in the bondage of the corruption of death? You're going to die. And the only way that you can escape from the bondage of death is for someone to redeem you. Now, I can't redeem you. There's no priest. There's no religious organization. There's no amount of money that can redeem you. Uh, You can go through religious motions thinking that that's going to bear you some kind of merit when it comes to death, but the fact of the matter is, is the redemption of your soul is precious and it ceases forever. There's nothing that anyone can do to redeem your soul other than the one who has the redemption price. Who has the price for our redemption? Colossians 1, verse number 13. Who hath delivered us? Now, this is not a question. This is an answer. The who is Jesus Christ. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom, watch this, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. When it comes to future death and judgment, you can think about it all that you want. You can get sentimental. You can hide from it with a refuge of lies and wishful thinking. But the fact of the matter is we're all going to face death and we're all going to face God. I look around us, even among the religious crowd, people who are Baptist. I go to funerals, and I hear, I hear more sentimental nonsense than I do Bible truth. And it's all just wishful thinking. 
I got news for you. You can, you can wishful think all that you want. If it ain't so, it ain't so. If you're not redeemed, then death is your enemy. To the child of God, the one who's been redeemed, death is a release. We'll see that here in just a moment. I saw a billboard over near Dunkin' Donuts here in Statesville. And I'm just going to say the name of the church. You've heard of it. It's one of the big movers and shakers of our area, the Cove. And I saw that billboard just yesterday. And it's a nice picture of a family. And it says on the billboard, you are forgiven. Nothing else. And the reason that I say this, I'm not trying to be controversial, but you know what? That is a horrible misrepresentation of the truth. Now, if they would have said, you can be forgiven, even if there's things about them that I don't necessarily see eye to eye on, if they would have said, you can be forgiven, I would have said, yes, that's the truth. But to say to just everyone, you are forgiven... That is a deceptive truth, and for someone to read that and think, oh, I'm forgiven, then I'm okay with God, that is a damnable heresy. That is a wicked representation of something. That's trying to, everybody say, oh, that's just wonderful that they would tell me that, but the problem with it is it's just not so. You can be forgiven. Maybe if you have received that forgiveness, then yes, you have been forgiven, But before, listen, forgiveness is available to all, but it is not received by all. Romans chapter 3, verse number 24 says, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You have to receive that gift of redemption. You have to see yourself as a sinner in need of redemption and recognize that Jesus paid the price. you got to receive it. It just doesn't come automatically to everyone just by wishful thinking. And so the deliverance, the redemption of our soul is precious. Why? Because it was bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, according to 1 Peter 1 and verse number 19. Now, in our text, back in Ephesians chapter 4, where it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. That day of redemption that the Word of God is speaking of is the redemption of your body. Once again, we have a body, soul, and spirit. People think of us today as being a body that has a soul, but that's not the way that God sees us. We are a soul that just happens to be contained in an earthly body. Our soul is eternal. It is permanent. And your soul is going to live somewhere for eternity. It's either going to be heaven or it's going to be hell. And you have a choice in the matter. You can make a decision. You can receive what Jesus Christ did and your soul will be redeemed. But the redemption of your body is not going to take place until a day that God has planned. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, 
And whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. There it is once again, folks. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. That is a great truth. That is a great hope for every child of God. Hey, I got good news. Child of God, brother and sister in Christ, one of these days... This earthly nature, this flesh here, this body is going to be redeemed. It's going to be changed into a glorified body, not a corruptible body like it is. I'm not just talking about the fleshly physical side. I'm at the age where I am experiencing some corruption. And I know some of you as like preacher, you don't even have a clue yet. I, I get it. I believe you. I am not in denial. But the corruption that the Bible is speaking of is a moral and a spiritual corruption. It's our nature. You know, sometimes I disgust myself. I do. It's like I know better. Where did that come from? I've made that mistake before. And God convicted me. The Holy Spirit of God inside of me was grieved. And and I got right. I repented. I said, oh God, I'm so sorry. I confess my sin. Please cleanse me. And God cleansed me. And then, at some point, sadly, sometimes it's not that many days later. I did the same thing. Well, I never learn. Why that old nature? It just comes. Now, the Bible says that that old nature, that we're crucified with Christ. It's almost like, I mean, have you ever, Brother Kimberlin was, he saw this happen. We had a possum in our front yard years ago that had been hit by a car. And it was there by the road, and it wasn't dead yet. It was dead-ish. It was hit hard enough that it was going to die. And so uh, I went and got twenty two pistol, and I finished it off. And uh, I just, I, I buried it. I dug a hole. But the ground was really hard. It was, I was kind of busy, and I didn't have time to dig it as deep as I wanted to. And, you know, a few days later, I went out there, and some kind of critter had dug that possum up. And had started chewing on it a little bit. It's like, why didn't you just drag it off? Of course, my luck, it would have drug it into my landscape bed. But you could just see, I went out there and it's just like, when I was mowing, I got within about 15 feet. And guess what? There was corruption. Morally and spiritually, that's what we're dealing with. We're crucified with Christ, but that old man, sometimes it doesn't resurrect, but it comes up out of the grave, and it stinks, and it's corruption. Thank God we can restore that fellowship through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you don't believe me on that, you ought to read 1 John chapter number 1, wonderful, wonderful passage. But our body is going to be redeemed at that day of redemption. Now, quickly, and and, and I want to get done quick here with this uh, sermon. The next thing I want to show you is that there is a redemption of the creation. 
and it's connected with the redemption of our body because the creation fell into sin and the curse in the Garden of Eden, and with it, so did our body. Death came into this world, and the earth was cursed, and so this whole creation, our human nature is connected to the curse that's on this entire world. All of this world and its system was not the way that God intended it to be, just like my sinful nature and your sinful nature is not the way that God intended us to be. It all came because of the bondage of sin and death. Romans 8.22, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit. To wit means that is the redemption of our body. I am looking forward to this world and this nature having no more sin, no more corruption. So often we think, oh, the devil tempted me, the devil made me. Listen, we all have wickedness in our heart. We are drawn away of our own lusts and enticed. I'm looking forward to that. And the Bible says that this whole creation is groaning and travailing in pain. I believe that this creation is toward the end of its third trimester. (laughs) I mean, we are... We are in labor, and we're seeing it. What's going on in Israel, folks, you just watch and see. It's going to get interesting. It's already interesting. The way the whole world is reacting and all of the talk about anti-Semitism and then the elections coming up and what's going on in Ukraine and Iran and Korea and Taiwan and China and all of that, it's just, it's just right here in the book. We are in the last stages of the third trimester. You know... You know what church is today? We're, we're groaning and travailing. Coming to church is kind of like Lama's class. Doesn't take away the pain, but we just get some breathing exercises. <laughs> Helps us relax and comfort so the pain's not quite as bad. It's not very theological, so I, I know that. I'll be remembered for that and fruitcake. (laughs) There's also a redemption of Israel. Uh, I won't take time on this, but Anna, not my daughter Anna, she's hopefully going to be here tonight, but Anna the prophetess there in Luke chapter number 2, verse 38, it says, And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake, of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. They're, they're looking for their Messiah to come, the one that's going to redeem them out of the bondage of the Roman occupation. They were in bondage to Rome, and they were looking for the Messiah that was going to deliver them and pay the ransom or do whatever they had to do. Luke 21, verse 25, get a load of this. Now, just like the redemption of the creation and the redemption of our body is connected, there's also a connection to the time frame of this with the redemption of Israel. Jesus said in verse 25 of Luke 21, there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, 
distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Uh, You ever seen so many hurricanes as we've had here lately in recent years? Verse 26, men's hearts failing them for fear, anxiety, and depression. You know, some of the heart disease that people have, some of it might be from cholesterol. It's certainly from some of our diet, except for bacon. Bacon's fine. (laughs) Gravy's fine. But there's some other stuff that's probably clogging our arteries. But this is not talking about that. This is talking about men's hearts failing them for fear. And that's going on all around us. It's an epidemic. He says, in the, for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Aren't you looking forward to that? And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. It's connected, folks. Our body, this creation, Israel, we can look up. The day of redemption, there is a day coming. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 51 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. That's this day of redemption that we that are saved, we are sealed unto this event. Nothing's going to change it. It's going to happen. I wish I could tell you when it's going to happen. I don't know. It seems like it's getting awfully, awfully close. But even if I'm wrong, if we're wrong, and there's still a whole lot more that we've got to see and experience, rest assured, this day is coming. A.J. Gordon was the great Baptist pastor of the Clarendon Church in Boston. I've got several of his books, by the way. Great, great man of God. One day he met a young boy in front of the sanctuary who was carrying this rusty cage in which several birds fluttered nervously. Pastor Gordon inquired, son, where'd you get those birds? The boy replied, I trapped them out in the field. Well, what are you going to do with them? He said, I'm going to play with them. And when I get done, I guess I'm just going to feed them to the old cat at home. (laughs) Gordon offered to buy them. And the lad exclaimed, Mister, you don't want these birds. They're just wild birds and they don't even sing very well. Gordon replied, I'll give you $2 for the cage and the birds. And he said, okay, it's a deal, but you're making a bad bargain. The exchange was made, and the boy went away whistling, happy with his shiny coins. Gordon walked around to the back of the church property, opened the door of the small wire coop, and let the struggling creatures soar into the blue sky. The next Sunday, he took the empty cage into the pulpit and used it to illustrate his sermon about Christ's coming to seek and to save that which is lost, and how that Christ paid for them with his own precious blood. He ended the illustration by saying this. 
He said, the boy told me that the birds were not songsters. But when I released them and they winged their way heavenward, it seemed to me that they were singing, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. Amen. You may not be a songbird. You may just be some wild bird. This is nothing that the world would want to display. No value to anyone. But if you are redeemed, praise the Lord, you're valuable to the Lord. Those of you that are in the bondage of sin and death, you need to know this morning that you can be set free. You may be worthless as far as the world's concerned, but you have been paid for by something that is priceless and precious, the blood of Jesus Christ. Our bodies demonstrate the lingering effects of our natural corruption, but folks, the day of redemption is coming. Will you be ready for that day? I hope you are. If you're not, I hope that you'll get ready for today and make today the day of your salvation.